millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rotor Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. And you join us finally after Sunderland managed to pick up three points after a little spell of defeats in League One. Thankfully, we managed to get the job done against Ipswich 2 0 at Stadium Alight. And joining us to discuss that game is Phil West, who was also there. How are you doing, mate? I was indeed, Gav. Yeah, not too bad. Finally, we got the three points on the board. It was great to be back at the stadium as well. So, uh, all good. Yeah, and also joined by Martin, who wasn't there because it would take a long time. How are you doing, Martin? Uh, a 16,000 kilometre each way trip is probably a little bit too much, especially when you have to apply to even bloody leave the country at the moment but <laughs> no I am excellent thank you very much yes it's amazing what three points does well was it a performance that was worthy of such a, a long journey would you say or not <laughs> it was a result that was probably worthy of it yeah 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 it wasn't great Phil but we got the job done I think the scoreline as Paul Cook said after the game was probably a little bit flattering for Sunderland but I think ultimately we did work hard we worked hard we got we got the job done like I say in the end um, I, I wouldn't say our quality showed because it definitely didn't. I mean, it was a couple of errors, one by a referee, one by a goalkeeper that led to the goals. But, you know, I think we worked hard enough for the win, didn't we? Absolutely. I think it was a victory that was built more on kind of those traditional qualities, you know, graft, endeavour, desire. Um, as you said, we didn't really show much quality in terms of our you know passing or incisive attacking play. I think we probably played about 20 minutes of really decent football in the whole match, but... At the end of the day, you know, we had to grind that victory out. And I think it was a good... It, sh- it just showed to me that these players, you know, they're still playing for Lee Johnson. He hasn't lost them, no matter what people might have suggested after recent games. And that they are still determined to get promoted for the- with this football club. So, yeah, it-, it wasn't the prettiest game I've seen. And I don't think it's the prettiest game we will see this season. But at the end of the day, coming out on the right side of the scoreboard was the most important thing. And in that respect, it was job done. Yeah, Martin, just from your perspective then, how did you feel about the overall sort of way the game panned out? Lee Johnson talked after the game and the interviews I heard just about how the lads were a little bit nervous, I would say, sort of going into the game, obviously, because they'd been in such bad form, which was to be expected. But in the end, like I say, I got the job done right. Well, we did. And, you know, we had the three league defeats, but we also had the two the two games at home in the Cup, didn't we? In, in the um, yeah. FA Cup and the, the Papa John's Cup, which... Lee Johnson would have been hoping that the, the squad got a confidence boost from those two games, but it was probably the, the reverse, wasn't it? So there was no it would be no surprise that the, the lads were feeling a bit nervous going into the game yesterday. It's a big game, big crowd there. And you know, there's been so much talk and the, the players are human, they're gonna be reading Twitter, they're gonna be reading 
things online, you know, they're all going to pick up on on the fact that you know people are not necessarily happy about the the current performances. But the game panned out in in sort of a way I was I was expecting in terms of like we we gave Ipswich a lot of possession, didn't we? We let them have the ball, and the possession stats sort of show that. And in the first thirty minutes, I must admit I was kind of fearing the worst because they looked slick. They were knocking it around. They, they had some players, especially the two wide lads, who looked as if they could really cause us some danger. But once we switched formation from the 4-4-2 that we kind of started with, um, we, we grew into the game a little bit. And really, like for all of the, the possession that Ipswich had, I think they had four shots on target in the whole game and three of them were, were in the same move, weren't they? So, you know, it wasn't as if they batted us and we were, we were lucky to come away with a, a win. It was a fairly even game and, you know, we just conceded possession to them and hoped to get them on the counter. Yeah, I was just looking at the stats before. I mean, we had two shots on target, and those were our two goals. The first shot on target we had in the game was the the header from Luke Nine. Uh, we'll run, we'll mm-hmm. run through some of the some of the action then. Um, so yeah, the start of the game, pretty nervy, Phil, wasn't it? I think you could tell that Ipswich had identified that we might start on the back foot, and it might be a good idea to get right at us if they were going to get an early goal. Um, yeah. But we we did ride through it. I mean. I think their two wingers looked dangerous at the start of the game, but we we quickly worked them out. Two good players, yeah. I think, but our full backs did quite well. I think it was a Luco on the far side as I was sitting um in the early heart in the early knockings of the first half. It looked really, really good. He was getting in behind, he was really kind of driving forward. What struck me, particularly early doors, was just how we looked a little bit nervous on the ball. Whenever the defenders were getting on the ball, that none of the midfielders were really kind of coming to try and receive the ball and, and make passes through the midfield. So that was obvious in the early knockings, but I think that was to be expected. You know, I think there was always going to be a little bit of nervousness there. But yeah, like as, as Martin said, I think Ipswich, especially in the early half of the, the early parts of the first half, were quite positive. You could see that they were trying to take advantage of our fragile nerves. Um, but as you said, Gav, we, we we did ride that out, and I think we looked we looked fairly resolute. I, I didn't think we were being ripped apart. I thought we were a little bit open at times, but there was nothing particularly hair and scaring. And I just felt that it was it panned out roughly as I thought it would. I thought Ipswich would come and put some pressure on us early. If we could navigate our way through that, then we would try and clamber back into the game. And I think that's exactly what happened. So yeah, it was it was a positive start for them. But once we kind of settled in a little bit more, um, especially once we got the ball on the deck and started knocking it about with a bit of zip, we started to look much more comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah, there was a lot of one twos, Martin, between Ross Stewart and Broadhead, and one of them moves on the counter nearly resulted in a. In a penalty, didn't it? The one where I think it was Janoy Donancien. I hope I've pronounced that right. He, uh, he cut really across, uh, yeah, he cut across Ross Stewart, and um, I think it was a little bit of a shoulder barge coming together, and the the ref wasn't having it. I mean, the, we'll get onto the ref in a bit, but do you think that was a penalty or not? Because there was a lot of a lot of people who thought it was, a lot of people thought it wasn't. I think if you've got a half competent ref, if that's outside the box, it's a clear free kick, and you get it every day of the week. And yeah. I, I, I must admit, I thought it was a pen. And I think it would have been a soft pen. But, like, Stewart's checked back on that. Well, given the one he gave at the end of the game. Well, I... <laughs> you would, yeah, you know what I mean? Well, given, given the one he did give later on, the one he didn't give a little bit after this one, he was, he was all over the place, wasn't he? But the defender's got his arms out. Stewart's checked back. And if the defender's not trying to hold him back or stop him or get in his way, what's, what, why has he got his arms out there? So, like, Stewart goes over easily. And that's probably why he didn't get it. But to my mind, Stewart's got no benefit in, in going down there unless he is fouled because he's, yeah. he's working his angle onto his right foot for a shot, isn't he? So 
It would have been the soft one, but I think that's a, a definite pen. I know I know we've had a chat about it in and you know some of the lads think it's definitely not. I, I think it's it's one of those you might get seven times out of ten. Mm. And then uh, not long after that, Phil was probably the, I would I would say the most important moment of the game from Sunderland's perspective when Thorben Hoffman made three saves off the belt. I know the last one was straight at him, but the first two for me were great saves, reaction saves, yeah. and um, it, it, the game would have been a lot more. Well, I don't think we would have won personally if if we had conceded in that moment because. We just didn't have a feeling of a team who would get back into the game. So had we gone one nil down there, you know, it could have been a very different scoreline. So you would you would have to yeah. say that the goalkeepers probably contributed more than anybody else at that moment. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's interesting about Thorben Hoffman because you know there was a lot. He was in for a lot of criticism during the you know the hammerings off um, Rotherham and Sheffield Wednesday, and. My take on Hoffman is that his fundamentals as a goalkeeper, his shot stop and his reflexes, his athleticism are all really, really good. Where he's not quite at it yet is communication with his defenders, which I think will come with time. So I don't think that's a particularly big worry. But you're absolutely right that the reflexes he showed for that, for the, for the, the, um, I'm going to call it a, a two and a half save because, as you correctly said, the last one was kind of straight at him. Um, but the first two were, were really, really good. You know, he, he, he parried them. Um, and, and he was sharp and he was alert as well. So I think Hoffman had quite a good game yesterday. He wasn't being peppered from all angles by Ipswich. You know, it wasn't as if he was diving left, right, and centre, and he was having to, you know, he was having to fend off shots from all all, all angles. He, he he was ready when called upon. Um, and I think that was the kind of game that he needed yesterday. I think there were, you know, he would have been a bit nervous at times as well. But I think when when called upon. He was there in the right place. So that, to me, was a real confidence builder for Hoffman yesterday. Yeah, especially given how many goals he's conceded recently. Just, I think everybody needed the clean sheet, didn't they? Yeah. Then, as the as the half advanced, Johnson, uh, he shuffled it up a little bit. He moved people around. Broadhead went out on the wing. Embleton went into the 10 role. And I think that change in shape, like you touched on earlier, Martin, helped us. And probably the best moment of the half from an attacking perspective for us was when Luke O'Nine bombed down the left wing, put a great ball into a dangerous position. And Ross Stewart, you just you can see him, he's always going to connect with it. And he, uh, he just fluffed it, didn't he? It was really unlucky. I think had he scored that, we'd, we'd have been buzzing. Because, I mean, the ball from O'Nine was fantastic, especially with his left foot, wasn't it, Martin? It was, it was, a, it was a nice move, considering there wasn't a great lot of quality from us in the first half. It was a cracking move. And, you know, that that is such a good chance. Like... Brilliant work from 09 to get that cross in. Stewart's an inch away from Welly in that in, like, isn't he? But like Phil yeah. said, made the point earlier and completely agree. Like in the open stages, we were having to go along because we didn't have the spare man in midfield to drop back and pick the ball up. So we we were going from back to front pretty quickly, and it didn't work. And as you say, Johnson changed it, and you know we pulled Embleton into the into the middle. Gooch swapped sides, didn't he? And Broadhead came back into the. Sort of wide midfield area, and we we looked an awful lot better. The, sh- the unfortunate thing is, if we if we do that, we're sacrificing Broadhead because him and Ross Stewart were actually combining nicely up front, and I think Broadhead up front with Stewart is going to be pretty important over the next few few weeks. So I was disappointed in that respect to see Broadhead come back, but it actually worked really really effectively. I think. Yeah, then after the break, Phil. Lee Johnson, uh, well, we we came back out pretty much the same. Sort of dip switch, to be fair. I think there was there was very little quality in that first sort of fifteen minutes of the second half from either team. It was poor, but you've got to credit Lee Johnson because he made some attacking changes, which I think yeah. changed the game. I mean, 
he brought on McGeady, Pritchard and Diaku at all at different stages. McGeady, I think, had a big impact in play as he, he played a couple of really good passes into dangerous positions. Pritchard, and we'll come on to this, Pritchard was the man who delivered the ball for the first goal. And I think Diaku, he probably made more of an impact in terms of stretching Ipswich when they were tired, like moving around the front line and just running at them and buying us time up the pitch and stuff. So you have to yeah. credit Lee Johnson, really, don't you? Because he took off Corey Evans, who, for me, that's the worst I've seen him play. Um, but he, he took off a defensive midfield player for, for, him, for an attack midfield player to yeah. try and win the game. And ultimately it paid off, didn't it? Well, he's been criticised, hasn't he, for either botching the timing of his substitutions or you know getting the, the kind of feel of his substitutions wrong. Um, and I remember when the team sheet came out yesterday, I remember thinking this is a bit of a gambler's choice, really, the formation and the, and the team selection he'd gone with. But having McGeady on the bench, for example, is, I think, a really shrewd piece of management because, as I said this weeks ago, if, if you're the opposition and you see a fresh Aidan McGeady warming up with 65 minutes on the clock, you're going to be aware that this is a man who's coming on who can provide something for his team. Yeah. And he did, he came on, he looked pin sharp, he looked really, really fresh, he looked really, really sprightly. Um, I thought he got straight into the game and he got on the ball and right away, as McGeady always does. He's not going to hide, he's going to get on the ball and he's going to try and make things happen. And the same with Diaku. I thought Diaku looked quite good when he came on as well. And he's another player who has been criticised since he came because he's been very erratic with his form. But as you said, he came on, he stretched them, he was keen to get on the ball, he was making runs. Um, but yeah, I think you do have to give Lee Johnson a lot of credit for, for the way he adjusted tactically yesterday because you know he's been accused of being a little bit flat-footed at times, of waiting too long, etc., etc. But I thought he got it absolutely spot on yesterday. So yeah, I think you do have to give him enormous credit without a doubt. Yeah, anything out there, Martin, in terms of how the the subs impacted the game? Because like we say, I think I think everyone was expecting it to sort of peter out, maybe be one nil Ipswich, nil nil final score, and he he rolled the dice, didn't he? And it worked. He didn't. You wonder why he did that and whether he would have done that if we'd come into that game off, off three wins. No. Whether he was kind of thinking that. <laughs> no. Well, he, he doesn't, does he? I think it's a simple... He, he needed that win yesterday for all manner of reasons and whether it would have been critical oh, yes. for his, his long-term prospects at the club or, or what, we don't know. But he, he knew that we needed that win and he, he stuck everything on, on red and span it, didn't he? And it, it came up. But like McGeady, as, as Phil said, like McGeady offers so much coming from the bench and Diaku's best performances or his, his, his good performances have been from the bench and I think we've got to be smart with McGeady and you know his, his, he's not the, the player he was three or four years ago he's not the player he was, he was two years ago potentially although he has had a lot of injuries this season which have, have maybe held him back but for us to have him on the bench to bring on with 30 minutes left 20 minutes left that is a, an ace card that nobody else in this league can compete with Oh, I think we've we've got to use him more like that, um, especially when we're playing Saturday, Tuesday. He's you know we're actually wasting him if we start him every game. No, I would agree. And when I listened to Lee Johnson talk to to Nick Barnes after the game, he he was talking about he was mainly talking about the fullback problem that we've got. But then he said, well, then I looked at me wide options and I had like seven players to pick from, you know. And you've yeah. got you've got when you've got that many players who can play across that forward line and wide positions. You've got to, you've got to try and mix it up. Because like you've just said, we're playing three games a week. And um yeah. at McGeady's age, it's he he might say different. I, I imagine he would be in the player he is, but it's I don't I think I think it's impossible to expect that he's able to have an impact across three games a week. You've got to manage him better at his age and I've said for me I can remember probably saying this when when Jack Ross was manager, but I feel like 
in certain situations, the best use of Aidan McGeady is from the bench. Because, absolutely, like you just said, Phil, you bring him on with 25 minutes to go with fresh legs and he's motivated and he's he's, he's the type of player who probably relishes running at tired defenders, he thinks. I'm going to have a right go at him. He's knackered. I'm going to make him even more tired, you know? Oh, he'd have been, he'd have, he'd have been watching that game. He'd have been watching that game with Foden from the bench yesterday and thinking to himself, right, you know, how can I make an impact here when I come on? He's a seasoned pro. He's yeah. been around the block. He knows his onions. He knows what to do. He comes on. He's not going to be afraid. You know, if if, he's, if his teammates are a little bit unsure as to what to do, McGeady's going to come on and he's going to say to them, look, lads, let's get this moving. You know, we can win this game. Let's just be proactive and let's mm. be positive. So I think what you get with McGeady in terms of his on the ball ability is that, you know, that spark that creative spark that he brings you but also his professionalism as well and he you know obviously we needed a reaction after that ridiculous red car he, he got at, um, at Rotherham and I think his contribution yesterday was absolutely priceless for us I really really do yeah then five minutes to go we got the the opening goal of the game one thing that that struck me was that because our corners had been so poor all day because they had I think Embleton had took the majority of them and they were crap most of them were just failing to beat the first man Pritchard's ball sort of swings with pace right over the the pack to Owen oh, It's a really good ball. I know that the goalkeeper you might as well give him the assist really for, for the way he flew out <laughs> and um and totally flapped at it and missed it. But I think the importantly the cross has got to be good to even cause the goalkeeper problems. I don't know whether because obviously you don't get a very good angle with one camera, but I don't know whether it, it swerved a little bit or what and that maybe threw him. But regardless the ball by Pritchard was really good. O9 gets on the end of it as he often does and bounces up in the net 1-0 happy with that Martin I think considering like I said the corners have been so crap all day it was nice to score from one it took us by surprise because after the, the string of corners that we as you say had failed to beat the first man I was surprised that it actually went up in the air never mind went to the back post <laughs> you know it was it was cracking it was cracking ball in wasn't it and like you know that's a, a little glimpse of Pritchard's quality and he hasn't shown much in his or four, four or five months here, and we we need to, yeah. him to start showing us a lot. But that ball from the corner was was a beauty, and yeah, 9 didn't necessarily connect with the firmest of headers, did he? But the um the goalkeeper sort of I think goalkeeper was put off by his own defenders, wasn't he? And O nine just yeah. managed to sneak in and and knock it in. Yeah. To be honest, Gav, I was actually sitting. I'm sitting in the northwest corner of the stadium, and I was right behind Pritchard when he when he um when he when he whipped that ball in. And I actually thought at first glance, he's actually overhit this cross. And I thought it was just going to end up floating out of play on the far side. And then when O'Neill connected with it, it seemed to take an age for the ball. Did I? I was I was on the other side. I was in the southwest corner. And it, it was like a delayed reaction. To it it was as if time end. stood still, you know. And I, I thought to myself, yeah. is, have they called for a foul on the goalkeeper? Is there an offside or something? And then I saw him sprinting away to the corner. I'm thinking, oh, the goal's been given. It was, it was a bizarre goal to watch. And even <laughs> on the replays... I don't know whether it came off his head, his thigh or wherever, but they all count, don't they? So yeah. it was a crucial goal for us. And then to wrap it up, we got a penalty. Again, the inconsistent referee, Martin, gives a... <laughs> I mean, he's the only bloke in the stadium who thought that was a penalty. Not not one of the players appealed for it. None of the Ipswich players sort of reacted. Nobody on the bench reacted, but the ref gave it. He gave it for a handball. I've slowed it down. It does hit... Uh, Nciala's hand and his hand is out he sort of turns his body to try and block the shot and his arm goes yeah. with it and it hits his arm but it, I mean if that's a penalty then how many of them would you get all in the, in a season but we're not going to win Joey I mean it uh, it all counts and Aidan McGeady to be fair absolutely slammed it into the top corner brilliant penalty but uh, I 
presume you were along the same lines as me. That wasn't a penalty, was it? I was, I, I was, um, I was shouting at the referee and I was calling him all sorts because I thought he'd given a goal kick. <laughs> I, I saw him pointing and I thought, he's kidding. He really thought he'd given a goal kick. I didn't see a pen at all. But like, whether, whether at half time somebody's had a word with him about the, um, the one where Stewart gets pulled down um, uh, yeah. in the box, mm-hmm. he, he got yeah. absolutely rugby tackled at the far post and that is as clear a penalty as you'll ever see. And the linesman, the referee, have missed it. So whether that's been on his mind or, or what, but you, you like you can't be given given a handball for for that. Like no. So yeah, two 0 in the end. Good three points. Um, I think like we say, we can probably put the performance to one side, Phil. But man, the match was there anybody in particular who stood out to you? I know Andy on the side gave it to Luke O'Neill, mainly for one getting the goal, two filling in at left back, and probably given his best performance in a long time. Despite the fact he's clearly struggling with his shoulder, I mean, it must have went out about five or six times during the game, and he just popped it back in and carried on. Yeah, he's he's, he's running on empty at the moment. He's the, the, the you know the tank is is clearly you know very very low with O'Neill at the moment. Um, I would probably have given it to him. I thought he had a good game. I don't think any of our players were exceptional, but I thought he really he did a very good job. But yeah, I, I think that you know to be honest, I I was in the kind of the camp of O'Neill needs to be taken out of the firing line a little bit here and maybe given the chance to get that shoulder sorted out. Bit of recovery time, get himself fully fit again. But obviously, Lee Johnson decided to um, to stick with him yesterday again, showing a bit of logic. I think, the prob- I think the problem is Phil is that he can't afford to now. We've got no fullbacks, and this is the I mean, this is the problem. Shoulder isn't it? surgery yeah. takes what three months? Yeah, at least to recover. So I think we're probably looking at Luke O'Neill playing with a dislocated <laughs> shoulder for the rest of the season. Yeah, now. I mean, to a certain extent, Lee Johnson's been boxed into a corner, hasn't he? With the, with, with the crisis, the injury crisis at fullback. Um, obviously, with Sirkin being out and Huggins uh, not not yet on the comeback trail, it's just one of those things, Gav, isn't it? You know, I, I think people, you know, a lot of people were saying that they're all, oh, you know, we're back to the kind of the no senior fullbacks on the books type of thing again last night. But you know, it, you know, we are just going to have to get through it as best we can, and injuries are going to strike us at some point this season. And I don't think we'll end up in a situation where we're kind of patching the defence together again as we did last season. You know, with with you know basically played you know three or three players out of position almost. Um, but yeah, I think 9 will do a job there. I know there's been a lot of debate about whether he's a fullback or whether he's a midfielder. Personally, give him a run at fullback. I think he'll do a good job. I don't think he'll let you down. Um, but yeah, I think I think that this is this is where Lee Johnson really really needs to rely on the adaptability of someone like Onayan, and he won't give up. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna you know um, you know you know throw a sick note in there and cry off. He'll keep on going right until the very end. So I think that's admirable to be honest with you, having a player who's prepared to put himself on the line like that. For the good of the team. Yeah, we'll quickly touch on the fullback thing then. So it came out after the game, Martin, that Dennis Serkin's out till January, which means we now have no fullbacks <laughs> until January. So there was Deja talk vu. of um <laughs> potentially looking at the free agent market, but I don't think there's anybody out there really, is there, who we could bring in and throw straight into the mixer. I mean, how long does it take to get a player up to speed, especially one who hasn't been yeah. playing or training? It's it's a funny one. So, you know, what would you do? Because he also talked about potential. This was this is what I heard in the BBC Newcastle interview. But he talked about maybe switching to a three-five-two, and he. But he said, but then you know, it takes a bit of time to get used to how you press because you press differently, and we need three or four weeks to work on that. Like we don't have. So what does he do? Because you know, we we don't have many options, do we? It's going to be a tough one from to to figure out. And even yesterday with 0-9 playing fullback, a lot of the time Callum Doyle was coming over to take throw-ins because 0-9 couldn't take a throw-in. Yeah. So it, it causes a bit of a problem, doesn't it? 
you know, you, you have potentially got Callum Doyle who could play fullback. I don't know if he ever has done before, but he's he's obviously naturally left-footed and he, he's composed on the ball and he brings the ball out. And I think he would do a, a good job there. Flanagan's played left-back a lot in his career. Um, but, I, you know, I suspect that what we'll we'll see for the for the short term is, is all nine doing the job there and having to fill in there. And um, I think it was interesting... Gav, with the um, the comments that Johnson made, with you know potentially having to to play three at the back, because we actually have got a decent amount of of centre halves, haven't we? And even O nine, you know O nine could feasibly play, play there on the left hand side of of the defence or the right hand side of the defence, couldn't yeah. he? Where he's not in a position to take the the throw-ins and he could just defend. Which I think he he had a really good game yesterday, and it's just when when he plays that, that reactive stuff rather than him having to be proactive, I think he's he's better, and he you know he was getting tackles in, he was doing all that dog, donkey work, and he he really quite impressed at fullback. Mm. But it would be interesting if we if he did change it to to five at the back because we actually haven't got a naturally left footed player to play wing back who who you'd really trust as a like I wouldn't fancy chucking them Dejaku there. Gooch, if you play him there, he's on his wrong side. So you haven't even got a natural a player who would sort of naturally fall in there, I don't think. But no. what it does do, it lets you have broadhead up front with Stewart. Yeah. Because you yeah. can you can accommodate two up front. And I suspect yeah. that's as much of his thinking as solving the fullback problem is. Well he mentioned as well that he's he didn't just talk about the amount of centre backs he's got, he talked about the amount of wingers mm. he's got. Um so when you think about it, yeah, you could. Pro- I think if you were going to play a three-five-two, just think out loud here. But Gooch would be a wing back on one side, possibly the left. We've seen him play left wing back quite a lot actually at Sunderland. If you think about it, um, you probably have Gooch one side, maybe Winchester the other, because he you can. I reckon he could play wing back. Then you would you've got enough centre halves to cover for the the three that you need in there. Midfield and striker were okay, so I, I can yeah. I can see it. I can see it working, Phil, but like Lee Johnson said, how long is it going to take to sort of teach the lads the new way, the, the press? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just 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 looking at it from the other way, I know we mentioned this in our group chat after the game yesterday, if we were to stay with a four at the back, Tyrese Dice, now I know you've said he's not a, he's not a full back, and I know you, I think you said he's a he's a winger by trade, but could he, do you think he could maybe play a role? Because it's possible, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, it's my personal I think he will switch to a to a um, three centre halves person. That that's that's the indication I get. I think he will switch it up. But you know, I, I'm just wondering whether whether someone like Tyrese Dice could be worth a punt, maybe just to kind of see what he's got to offer in that position. It might not work, but you know, it, it might be something for Lee Johnson to consider because as we've seen before, he's not afraid to promote from within if he thinks the players are good enough and they can do a job for the team. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think that I think that I think that he will switch. Um, to a wing back system, and I think to, as, how long will it take them to adapt? Well, that's the sixty four thousand dollar question, isn't it? You know, it's we're getting into that part of the season now where the games are starting to be coming thick and fast as we head into the festive period, into the new year. There's going to be precious little time for the players to get a new kind of way of playing into their heads. So, I think it's a bit of you know it's a bit of a balancing act from Johnson as well. But you know, I got this. I listened to his post match interviews yesterday, and he, you know he sounded quite calm about. It. He sounded quite matter of fact about what he's facing in terms of selection dilemmas and so on and so forth. So I'd like to think he's got a plan going forward. So I'm not desperately worried about it yet. It's not ideal, but I think we can I think we can cope with it. 
it's only yeah. it's only yeah. a season ago that we were actually playing that system, and there's still a, a number of those players who who were there. Exactly. Who, yeah. So it's not going to be something that's a complete, a completely new thing, a complete role reversal in, in terms of what they've been doing, and we're not coming off the back of a a whole string of you know months of playing one formation where we've been excellent every week. We've chopped and changed. We saw yesterday change the formation. And even in the very early stages yesterday, 9 was tucked in a bit. And I didn't know whether Gooch was actually kind of playing a, a wing-back type of role. And it kind of it sorted itself out a little bit after that. But like 9 was sort of a little bit in from the, the, the normal full-back role. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But I, I, I think he probably will go with with that three cent halves and like Bailey Wright came in yesterday and we haven't spoken about Bailey Wright but I think he had a really solid game and he added some some stability there and we've seen him play in that central role with three at the back and that's where he's had his best games for us yeah no, I, I think I can see it now yeah I haven't, I haven't talked about it a little bit I can see it and it segues us nicely into the uh, Shrewsbury game midweek do you see him maybe going going with a three at the back as soon as that Phil or do you think he might stick with something similar to what we've seen? I mean, I, th- I suppose in a way, actually, bef- before I move on to it, that Ipswich and Shrewsbury are two very different prospects, aren't they? Yes, so absolutely. Yes, they he are. might fancy playing a little bit more against Shrewsbury, even though it's away from home. He might fancy playing a little bit more football than we did yeah. at the weekend. So it, it, that'll affect his thinking, won't it? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we do go a little bit more expansive against Shrewsbury because, as, as you said, you know, that there's... I don't want to say there's less pressure on the game because obviously what we're trying to do now is is, is build a new winning run, as it were. And um, in theory, it, it you know they shouldn't pose as great a test to us as Ipswich did. But on the other hand, you can't take any team in this division lightly. We've had our pants pulled down on many occasions by the so-called lesser lights. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if if he does decide to kind of switch things up a little bit um, and and go for that go for this potential three five two system um, against Shrewsbury. I think what what yesterday what he learnt yesterday is that these players are willing and capable of, of filling in different roles and and responding to that to when he does move them around. So I think you know away from home, you know, could be a game that he he, he feels is worth taking the gamble. But as Martin said, you know, would it be that much of a gamble because a lot of these players did play this system briefly? It wasn't for a, and it didn't yield a great deal of success. But they they have kind of you know dabbled with this system before. The only question is, would they be able to do it, you know, in this situation where there is more expectation on the game? So, yeah, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he did change it. On the other hand, he could well think to himself, well, it worked, what what I went with on Saturday worked. Let's try it again, you know, and and, and maybe save the experiment for 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 a later date. So, yeah, I, I think it could be. I think it'll be inter- an interesting um, selection for the next game, without a doubt. Yeah, Shrewsbury lost at the weekend. Had one of their better players, Elliot Bennett, sent off. But looking yes. at the home form, the, the the home form's pretty good. So we can't take them lightly, Martin, can we? It doesn't matter that they're just just Shrewsbury. Um, they they are a decent team, clearly, at home. When you look at the form, I mean, just quickly browsing over things. Yeah, they the last time they played at home, they beat Cambridge 4-1. The game before that, they beat another promotion contender, MK Dons 1-0. They beat EFC Wimbledon 2-1. You know, they're not bad at home. And we've... We've got to be wary about them, especially. I also noticed the play three five two, and we've struggled against teams more often than not this season. When when we cut against a side of play three five two with a big man up yeah. front, so yeah, we've got to be wary, haven't we? We have, and I think you know there's there's a danger that over the past few weeks, all of the focus has been on this Ipswich game, 
And it's you know, quite rightly, it, it has been to a large extent because it was imperative that we, we stopped that bad run of results. The fact that they play 3-5-2, I think we, we made a mistake when we went to Sheffield Wednesday after the Rotherham game by not matching them up. So I'd, be, I'd actually be really surprised if Johnson didn't match them up for formation. And, you know, even yeah. if, if we're looking at um, the, the game on Saturday and looking ahead to Tuesday, like Phil said, you know, Johnson might think, well, that worked, let's not change it. I actually don't think it did work. The formation that we set the match out with, that didn't work. He changed it after 25 minutes. If he picked that formation from the start, he probably doesn't pick those 11 players. He probably makes another one or two changes. No. So I'd be really surprised to see an unchanged side. Um, and I think, you know, we, we've just got to go there. We've slipped up on these games so many times before where we go, right, we, we've got over the hard, the, the, the larger hurdle. We've got this nice, easy, easy yeah. one now. And it comes back to bite us on the arse, doesn't it? So we've, we've got to treat this. I'm sure we will do, but we've got to treat this as important as the game on Saturday because if we can get the three points on Tuesday, we're back registering over two points per game, which is the benchmark for, for promotion. Yeah. And you know, for all of the, the negative press and the, all of the talk over the past few weeks about Johnson should be sacked because we're doing this, that and the other, if we win on Tuesday night, we're getting over that two points per game and we, we need to just do that over the course of 46 games. And you know, if we can get seventeen games on Tuesday with um, with that ticking over, that's a good start of the season. I tell you what, if all of us had been offered that in August, you come in to the end of November, getting over two points per game, you're going shit. Yeah, I'll take that because that'll set us up nicely for the rest of the season. So big game, and let's hope we can get those three points. Are you confident in the three points, Phil? I am, and I think what Martin just touched on there is you know is is very important is that mentally we kind of don't switch off now. You know, I mean. You know, there were some people talking, you know, yesterday's if Ips, which were rolling into town and it was prime Barcelona. <laughs> um, and then I actually didn't think there was a great gulf between the teams, actually, uh, uh, as it happens. But it's absolutely imperative now that we kind of reset, we refocus, we think to ourselves, right, one game, this has to be the start of a winning run. We can't let things slip again. We can't go win, loss or draw, and then win again. We've got to be kind of being consistent now. But when I think back to what happened when we restarted after the previous international break, after we got hammered off, uh, I think it was Portsmouth, I think the first league game back was the Gillingham game where we had to grind it out when it was a that was a pretty tricky match. And then I think afterwards we went to crew and we really turned it on and we absolutely demolished them. So I think this you know, if, if we're on our game on Tuesday, I think we could really play some good football and maybe the scoreline would be quite comprehensive in our favour. On the other hand, if we're a little bit slack and if we tell ourselves that well, well, we've beat Ipswich, we'll just roll over Shrewsbury, that's where we're running the risk of coming unstuck. So mentally, we've got to be absolutely bang at it on Tuesday night, without a doubt. Yeah, quietly confident the overarching theme. Then, yeah. Well, <laughs> cheers, lads. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back, I think, with a reaction pod after the Shrewsbury game. So be sure to join us. Uh, RokerReport.com, as always, will be updated every each and every day through the week with fan written articles, all that good stuff, historical stuff. If you're into that, uh, it's the only place to head. So head to RokerReport.com, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time. Cheers. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. 
underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.